Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I am really excited to be talking to author Jessica Cannon here because her book is a totally different book that I'm usually exposed to. And it's a really powerful book. And I want to talk all about it. Hi, Jessica. How are you today? Hi, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited you're here because I feel like we can talk for a good while about about your book. Um, The title is The Proactive Caregiver, Stop Reaching to Life, Start Living Proactively. That is a mouthful of amazing words to me. Can you tell me about your book? Well, that subtitle is exactly what I wanted to stop doing. I wanted to stop reacting to life and start living proactively because every time I had with my mother, it seemed to always end in some sort of crazy scenario of me being stressed out and feeling like I was blindsided, whether it was a doctor or Mm -hmm. just her behavior or anything that would rattle our cages and kind of strain our relationship even more. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to write this book and help other caregivers as much as possible because there were so many questions I needed answers to and I couldn't really find easily. So that's where this book came about. This is definitely based off your own experience. Yes. Can you give me a little bit more background of the events that led up to the anguish that you had to deal with before writing this book? So stepping into the role of caregiver was not something I was opposed to doing. It was just mm-hmm. something I didn't expect to do so early in life. I always assumed that I would take care of my mom and or dad at some point. But I thought this was going to be when they I was in my 60s and they were in their 80s or right. something like the, the usual, typical. I didn't expect to step away from the corporate world at 42 because gotcha, yeah. my mother was declining. And a lot of her decline were certain things that she was told many, many years earlier of, If you don't change this habit, then this will happen. Or you really need to be careful of this, this, or that. And there were so many, I guess, warnings for her. And she just said, I don't have, I don't have to worry about it. It's okay. I'm fine. And she kept on living the way she had been. And so it turned into this mixture of not only having to adapt to her bipolar disorder, the manic depression version of it. Then also now adapting to this mixed form of dementia on top of it, it was was a lot to handle. It seems like a lot of overflowing emotions, too, of not only do you have to deal with it physically, but also mentally and emotionally. How much of it did you were you aware of before beginning of all this? I know you say you were thrown into it, but as far as what you were aware of, just an outside Clips over going in. When I say thrown into it, you know, some people have their parent or spouse has this emergency, an accident or something that mm-hmm. really pulled them in. Mine wasn't exactly the emergency of that nature. It was more so 
I was trying to do the caring from the distance, you know, the daily phone calls, the Mm -hmm. once a month check-ins. We actually lived in the same town, but because our relationship wasn't so great at that time, I was only visiting once a month and doing many phone calls. But when I actually started to visit her more often and have set eyes on her, I could see this all the times that she said, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I don't need anything. She was not fine. There were so many problems happening. And so that's where I felt like I had to jump in or these things the doctors were worrying about and warning her about were actually going to happen. And unfortunately, they did. I feel like all the heaviness that you have gone through, this book, however, though, becomes more like a guidance and more positivity. Absolutely. Can you expand? Definitely. That was the whole concept behind the proactive part of it, right? I stepped into this and I was still in that mindset as an accountant. And yes, I wanted to stop reacting. But the whole part of being proactive was learning how to find more peace and living in the moment and finding healthier ways that were actually easy to do and begin this path of preventing dementia from becoming part of my life. Unfortunately, that's what happens with so many caregivers. They they become ill themselves and they're exposed to having dementia themselves. And those stats just keep growing. I feel like everything you're saying is something that, that I can definitely relate to. You don't prepare yourself as full as you should. And mm-hmm. it's like just putting out little fires as much as you can. Right. To where you kind of lose who you are or lose what like your hobbies or your and then you feel guilty. I, I don't know. I feel like then you feel guilty if you're like enjoying something else while the other person is suffering. Definitely. So what are some pointers that you really focus on in your book that you can tell us? Yeah, so I definitely focus on things that the caregiver can expect to happen because whether their loved one's living with dementia or not, there are the emotional traps. You know, I I stepped into Mm -hmm. this with an objective mind. And so the emotional part didn't start to take old until I had been doing this long enough. And the anger and the resentment, the isolation, it just kept growing. And this negative feeling inside just kept growing. And I didn't know how to respond to it until I started to reach out and have therapy. And so that's one of the main things I encourage caregivers to do sooner than later, especially now post-COVID, there are telehealth appointments Mm -hmm. that people can have. So if they're locked into their home because of the routine that they have with their loved one caring, they can still find a moment of doing a telehealth. Then how was it writing this book? Because this is something you've gone through. And then you were kind of seeing that there are better ways with coping or better ways of approaching this. But this this is a realization near toward the end, though. So how was yes. it having to write these, these scenarios or just write these advice? Right. So when I was going through this process with my mother and learning about her needs and why certain things were happening... I started to feel these internal triggers and these flashbacks, if you will. And I realized I had to figure out where my anger and resentment was coming from. It wasn't just from this stepping in, having to step away from the career I was building and step into something that she was told, you know, otherwise to do better with. 
it was more so looking back into my life and realizing, oh, I have all this anger and resentment because I have all these childhood issues that I never dealt with. I would, didn't know how to deal with. And in some cases, I was even told to ignore them. And I'm talking about going all the way back to younger years and mm-hmm. child abuse, sexual abuse was present. And so I got to know my mother and then I got to see, wow, she has some of these similar issues in her background. Well, no wonder we keep reacting to each other so much. We are triggering each other. And so when I started writing the book, it was that therapeutic, cathartic download, getting it all out. You telling us this about your book, especially the emotional upheavals and the up and down. This is a really, really powerful book that you have in front of you here. And it's something that we really truly needed. Were there any big challenges, even though it seems like the whole thing's a big challenge, though, because you're having to, you're having to like, go back mentally to all the things you've been through. But then ultimately, the book has a lot of light to it as far as like, here, this is this is what I can give you. This is the advice I can give you. But what was you think the biggest challenge? Was it going back to those memories? The biggest challenge was absolutely going back to those memories because I was forced to address issues that I was not willing to look at. In fact, I was doing a lot of the similar, many of the things that I was upset with my mother for doing. I had to realize, wait a minute, I'm doing them too. I'm trying to compartmentalize and deny when these things existed in my life and I can't change them if I don't spend time and reflect with the issues of what what happened, why it's not your fault and go through all the little details. It was very difficult looking myself in the mirror and finally saying, okay, enough is enough. It's time to get to know who you are and let's do this so we can finally fall in love with ourselves. That's so perfectly said, Jessica. Thank you. I feel like someone who's going through something like this, who's trying to find some sort of outlet. And if you don't have a big, maybe fiscal support system, you have a book like yours that people can read and relate to and not feel alone. And I love the fact that your caregiver advocate beyond this, are there any surprises that you've encountered since writing this book? Well, the first surprise, it made perfect sense to me as I was writing this. Of course, I was in the mindset of an accountant when I titled the book, The Proactive Caregiver. (laughs) I I was surprised (laughs) as I started to want, excitedly wanting to share this with other caregivers to help them and some of the responses were, well, what's a proactive caregiver? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean, yeah. And I just thought, okay, I probably could have called it something else. But the idea was no, I like this. changing the mindset. <laughs> I realized that I was stuck in a mindset. Uh-huh. And the process that I went through helped me become unstuck and, and actually feel my way through life instead of thinking logically all the time. So I had to realize that there's others out there that are doing the same thing. They're still trying to logically think their way through caring. And at some point, you have to just feel your way through it and allow the the exhaustion to hopefully stop you enough to give you some rest or the anger to figure out why are you feeling like your boundaries have been violated or, you know, all of 
all of the things that we try not to feel, <laughs> the loneliness and the fear. I was going to say, even the irritability is something that we <laughs> avoid. Is this book also addressing after uh, someone passing as well of yes. your of our um, reaction to all that? Yes, I do. I have a chapter that goes over not only afterwards, but process that are we go through of mourning, you know, this, this daily mourning. And when it comes time for our loved ones to transition on, how do we let go? And if you haven't had the chance to work on these emotional issues throughout the time that you're caring for your loved one, then they usually hit you like a truck afterwards. And all of the regret and resentment is still there because then it becomes, oh, I should have said this, I should have done that. And maybe your loved one's in a position where you had, they have their mental capacity to be able to resolve those issues. But when they're gone, it's it's over. And you have to find that space in your heart to be able to deal with it and express it and move forward and not let it really break you down and hold you back in life. I really wish I had my hands on your book, honestly, during the past year. After my mom passed, at one point I was really angry and I would just say, mm. you know, I would just kind of say it out loud, like, why would you leave me? Why would you mm -hmm. do this? I don't understand. That's not fair. Because I always think because she's mom, you know, and I'm the kid right. who's supposed to take care of me. I don't care how old I am. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I definitely understand, like, the anger part of having to deal with a passing of somebody, especially mm -hmm. someone like our mother. So, wow, this book is really, really powerful, I would definitely say. Can you tell me how it's been since you published your book? It's been um, very eye-opening to, I guess, to see the reaction of the audience. And, you know, when you, especially as I speak in groups, they always tell you, know your audience, know your audience. Well, I felt like I know my audience. I have been in the trenches, still in the trenches, actually, I have been there and I know what you're feeling. I felt some of what you just mentioned as my dad passed, searching, looking for answers. And I see caregivers out there that are still searching, still looking for answers. And I just want to scream, I have this book, I have this book. But even with that, there's not very many people like to read. That may not be their first go-to. I mean, right. it, it is somewhat of a educational self-help and... Right. The problem that I had with my mother is there's a lot of denial in the process of even needing the information to begin with. It's been really interesting seeing that dynamic with people. I've learned that a lot of people try to give you advice while you're emotionally and physically going through the mourning process. And I've always really, truly appreciate that. But to really sink in the advice, it's a really personal thing. Mm -hmm. So to me, having a book like yours, it becomes a very personal moment. And that's why I think a book like this works so well. And now that I know that you're also a speaker, I am I am in for the ride for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so are you shifting toward more books similar to this or... Do you feel you've done your part in 
in being an advocate as far as books go. It's funny that you say that because this book was so painful to write. It was like a birthing process to go through. And the the joy in the end, of course, because I finally made it to the end and it was edited, published and out there. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, that's it. I'm not writing another book. And over this and past no. year, <laughs> and that's not true. That's not true because over this last year, and the continued proactive work that I've been doing for myself and learning how to prevent this and getting into the specific details, I feel this this book, book number two is coming again. Yay! <laughs> and I'm thinking I have to write this, but that's what's gone into um, my podcasts, which I've created uh, volumes of the blogs. So I've, I've tried to slowly put that in there. So it's more real time instead of, cause this book took um, over two years of collaborating the research and mm-hmm. writing and everything, especially as I continued through therapy at the same time. Now I want people to understand how their daily choices make so much of a difference. And what we think is not going to happen to us because if it's not happening in this particular moment, With my mother as an example, let's see, I am 47 now. I'm not embarrassed to say, but it was her, this was the age that when I look back into her habits, this is when her daily habits really started to make that difference where the symptoms were there, the early stages were there. And had she made the changes that I'm learning to make now, by the time she was in her mid fifties and sixties, she would not have been dealing with the issues that she is now in her sixth and somewhat final stage. That's why I want this information to get out to people sooner than later. Having this one episode, I don't think it's enough. So I'm so glad that you mentioned your podcast and about what you normally talk about. Can you address a little bit for someone? Because I definitely, like my brother is an example, is someone who'd be like, you can only prepare so much. I don't see why right. you waste time trying to to prepare this and that because you, ne- oh, you yeah. never know the future. You never know how it's going to be. You never know how the person that's suffering from like early stages dementia, how different it's for somebody else. So there's really no way to prepare. He's well, definitely someone who would say that. And then here yeah. you are with what you're saying, be proactive about it. So how do you respond to someone like that? Absolutely. You know, I I agree with him to an extent uh, because I was thinking the same thing until I started to actually dig into more of the details. So what's happening with our this proactive approach, we can only do so much. Absolutely agree. But what we do is we set up the avenues that help that peace of mind in the moment. So for example, um, I talk about in the book, in chapter 16, I go over caregiver compliance. as That's another area where people say, well, what is that? What's caregiver compliance? Well, that's being legally prepared. That's something that we all need to do. Because if you can do this in a proactive way, then yes, you have done as much as you can And then you get all your documents set aside and do what you need to do with them. And then you continue with life. And then when those emergencies that we cannot, because again, I agree, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when we're going to have any kind of accident, if we're going to have one at all. Mm -hmm. But it's so much better 
If you have this established and set up ahead of time, then being in that moment of panic when there is the world outside that if it's a medical issue, they're going to respond to you because it's a fight for life. It's, you know, scenarios that fall into that category. But when the businesses see this, there's an opportunity for them to take advantage of you. Now you can prepare in advance and be proactive with it, or you can wait till it happens and be blindsided by all the things you never knew you needed to know as a caregiver. And then the other businesses that seem to step in ready to take advantage of your vulnerability or your lack of knowledge. So yes, you can only do so much. And then you just have to let God be the trust factor and guide you and strengthen your steps as you live life and enjoy it to the most of the best of your ability. But do these things first and then go play. And then go live. I love that. That's wonderful. I, I, I love how you said that. I feel like I can just listen to you over and over when it comes to things like this, because since I can relate so much, can you tell me more about where we can typically hear, like about your podcast or about sure. you and speaking engagements, things like that? Yes. So I have two websites. One of them is the Proactive Caregiver. So if you go to www.proactivecaregiver.com. You'll find blogs, podcasts, and other information there. Um, I also have my main speaker webpage. So if you're interested in having me speak for an engagement, that's at jessicalizellcannon.com. And Lizelle is L-I-Z-E-L. And so between those two websites, you're more than able to find me and I'll be able to get in touch. And the book is definitely on the proactivecaregiver.com. There's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Walmart.com as well. How has it been for you during speaking engagements? Because you're having to relive some of these moments over and over again also, though. Right. Yes. But each time I express these stories, it hurts less because I, the healing is happening along the way. And especially when I hear someone tell me, thank you so much for saying that because they've experienced it themselves. I can't tell you how good it feels and seeing that look in their face, like we now are bonded because we shared something that no one else wanted to talk about. So it's been nice to be able to express this. You're getting me emotional, Jessica. So I, <laughs> I feel like there's a bond. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I want to say thank you over and over again for giving me some time to talk about your book and just even giving all of us some any sort of advice among all this because I do feel that somebody needs to be like, hey, please do this. Or, hey, yeah. here are some things that you should do. I I welcome all this and I thank you for being here. Any mm. last minute thing you want to say before we go? Absolutely. I want to make sure all caregivers understand that self-care is not selfish and every little detail matters. Don't dismiss it. Well, thank you. That was perfectly said and I need I need you to come back when you write your second book because this is like a mountain of amazing guidance here and I and I certainly appreciate it 
but I'm going to let you go, Jessica. Thank you so much for today. And definitely you have to come back because <laughs> because a healing in the morning or just us trying to get through emotionally and mentally, it's it's important to to be exposed to things like this. So but have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here and I wish you the best. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. Please continue to support indie authors and indie bookstores. And if you would love to support Tell Me About Your Book podcast, you can certainly do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tellmepodcast, where just for a price of a coffee, you can support monthly for just $5. There's other tiers too in the memberships, and you can look at all the info about it. And I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And of course, there's the other podcast, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where Caddy and I talk all things book and about her cats too. See you then. Thank you. Bye-bye.